Good morning. The scripture this morning is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, and I'll be reading from the Common English Bible. I say, be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you, as I have already warned you, that those who do these things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Is there anything you wish that you could change about yourself? You might well wish to be six inches taller and 20 years younger with the talent of LeBron and the wit of Jimmy Fallon. But for our purposes here for the moment, let's stick to the realm of what's possible. What I'm really asking you are about changes in character that should be theoretically in your reach. Like wishing that you were more patient with your kids, or less worried about your appearance, or more generous with your money. Um, Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, God decided in advance that we would be conformed to the image of his son. That way his son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. Uh, this is God's big plan, to make a community of people who are growing over time to look more and more like their big brother, Jesus. Uh, honestly, at least in concept, it's a hard plan to argue with. Uh, almost all of us would like to be better. Uh, maybe we'd even like to be better in a way that looks like Jesus. Healing and feeding and telling the truth and giving grace and busting up evil. The trouble is how we get from here to there. I have this constantly running list in my head of ways I would like to look more like Jesus. Ways I believe I'm called by God to look more like Jesus. Jesus is definitely more loving than me. More honest, more generous, more hopeful. I aspire to all of these things. But it turns out that it's one thing to don an itchy, Jesus-shaped mask for a couple of hours on Sunday. It's another thing entirely to really alter the features underneath. I heard a story this week about the first pedestrian who was ever killed by a car. In 1896, a woman was crossing the street when she saw a car approaching. She froze just stood there staring in terror and confusion while the car drove right over her. 
you should know that at this time, a car had a maximum speed of four miles an hour. Honestly, when I first heard this story, I felt an immediate sense of kinship with this woman. I've long had this deep desire to grow in courage. And recently, an opportunity arose to practice that courage. And I froze. Seriously, I was totally flattened by a car that was barely moving. The Christians in Galatia have only recently become believers in Jesus. They understand that God's big project for them is to grow to look like him. They're trying to figure out what this really looks like in practice when some missionaries show up in town to fill them in. These new missionaries say to them, you know what you all need? You need some rules to obey and some policies and procedures to keep you in line and make you pleasing to God. Rumors of what these missionaries are teaching eventually gets back to the Apostle Paul. Uh, the man who had first introduced this group of Christians in Galatia to Jesus. And, and Paul, he loses his mind a little. Paul starts scribbling out this letter to tell his people exactly what he thinks of all this talk about needing rules or laws. Uh, on the one hand, Paul says, these missionaries are perfectly right when they point out that there are some things, some behaviors, that are just fundamentally out of bounds for Jesus' followers. Um, Paul thinks that these behaviors, for the most part, are obvious, but he goes ahead and offers them a, a sample list anyway. In Galatians chapter 5, sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, and casting spells, Hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalries, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. Um, remember that last week we, we saw that for Paul, Christians are people who are living out the life of God's future world now, in the present. So all of these behaviors just mentioned are off-limits for Paul, not because they violate some religious rule, but because these things are fundamentally incompatible with the new world God is bringing. They have no place in the future, and that means they have no place in the lives of God's people who are living that future right now. Uh, the trouble with the missionary's message, from Paul's perspective, is that following a bunch of rules never actually got anyone to God's future. A, a set of laws can be perfectly right about what they forbid and what they require, but they can't actually make people themselves better. Uh, mostly what laws and rules do in practice is just make our failures more apparent. Like a lot of us during that recent quarantine, uh, I resolved to start eating better. I made new rules, healthy foods only and no snacks. I went to the store last Thursday and bought vegetables, fruits, and whole grains. But then on Friday, I saw a picture of brownies. I told myself, stop thinking about brownies. Brownies are not allowed. But 
shouting, no brownies, over and over again, just made me think more about brownies. By Saturday night, I found myself donning a mask and driving to the store in the middle of a pandemic to acquire one single forbidden brownie. It turns out that just resolving not to eat dessert doesn't get you there. Now, I'm guessing a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It, you might want to be more humble or more patient or less angry or less self-centered. But just clenching your teeth and trying harder doesn't seem to cut it. In fact, it often makes things worse. Trying not to be self-centered, you end up thinking about yourself constantly. Trying to be less angry is sometimes like suppressing hot lava. It just blows up even higher when it erupts. Since the beginning of time, religious people have been developing elaborate religious rules to try and control behavior and make us all act like better people. But acting is exactly what it is. Nothing beneath changes. You put pressure on one place and all of the gunk beneath starts finding somewhere else to squeeze out. So what is the alternative? Well, the alternative to law and rules, according to Paul, is to be led by the Spirit. You start to understand you can't remake yourself. You begin to accept that the only one equipped to make deep and lasting changes in your form is the one who created you to start with. It's the Spirit's job to do that reshaping, to conform you into the image of Christ. And most of the time, that reshaping work that happens when you are focused on something else. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul offers a description of how this process of transformation actually operates. And this is what Paul says. He says, All of us are looking with unveiled faces at the glory of the Lord as if we were looking in a mirror. We are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. This comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Now, ancient Israelites believed you couldn't look directly at God. God is so bright and beautiful, your retinas would be seared. But Paul says that looking at Jesus is like gazing at God's reflection in a mirror. It's how you can see God clearly and keep your eyeballs intact. So here's how the process of transformation works, according to Paul. You gaze on the face of Jesus. And the, the verb that Paul uses here for, for our actions isn't just gazing or looking. It's looking intently, staring. As we stare intently at Jesus, at God's glory revealed in him, something funny happens. We start resembling more and more the thing we're staring at. It's not that we just bootstrap ourselves by sheer effort into acting more like Jesus. We look at Jesus and we begin to look like Jesus. 
The most profound change comes when we stop looking at ourselves at all. When we become self-forgetful. When we gaze, stare, pray, meditate, admire, worship. When we're occupied with doing that, God's Spirit is occupied with us. Reshaping us from the inside out so that we begin to match what we see. The Spirit makes us a mirror of Jesus, just as Jesus is a mirror of God. I think it's so easy for us to fall into the trap that Paul warned the Galatians about. We want to be better. We fear moral chaos. So we start setting up for ourselves and others these elaborate rules on how to be good. We grit our teeth and try harder and try to force others to do the same. The trouble is, no matter how good our intent, the method doesn't get us there. I believe that God is love. There is no change in my life that I want more than to become more loving like Jesus. But it, it turns out that trying harder doesn't get me to love. It gets me to duty. It, it gets me to a sense of what I owe to others. But it doesn't actually produce more love in me. So, so what does produce love? Not following rules, not trying harder, but staring at Jesus. Staring until I start to really see his love for others and his love for me. That's when I start to feel an echo of that love of his in me. I can testify from experience that the deepest changes have come in my life when I became more interested in Jesus than I was in myself. Christians don't function by rule or law anymore. We're done with that kind of religion. We are steered by the Spirit. It's the Spirit's job to guide, to correct, to produce in us the character of Christ. The fruits of the Spirit are not a to-do list. They're a description of what begins to grow in us organically as we stare intently at Jesus and as we open ourselves to the Spirit's work of recreating us. Let me say it again. Christianity is not a self-help religion. The most important changes will not come because you've stopped thinking about the brownies by sheer force of will, or because you develop some kind of an elaborate spiritual diet plan. The changes will happen when you are thinking about something else. Something else so big and bright and good that it ignites a flame that burns from the inside out. If you feel stuck, stop staring at yourself in the mirror and start staring at Jesus. And let the Spirit do what the Spirit does best. Form brothers and sisters of Jesus for, from those who can't get over him. Please pray with me. God, you are so good. We confess that so often we have fallen back into being people of religion, people of laws and rules that might be good and well-intended, that might be meant to help us be better people. But we are so aware from our own experience that the law doesn't achieve what it sets out to do that gritting our teeth has not been enough to make us the people after you that we desire to be. 
but in your word you've told us a different story completely. That it's your spirit that transforms us. It's your spirit's job to conform us to the character of Jesus. And that our role in this process is first and foremost to stare intently at him. So today, Lord, wherever we are stuck, we lift our eyes off ourselves and our stuckness. We lift our eyes toward Jesus, toward his brightness and his wonder. And we pray that as we stare at him, as we gaze intently on him, that you would begin to do the work that we cannot. Unsticking us, changing us, reshaping us, so that more and more every single day, we begin to look like this one that we follow, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen.